Yo 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 yo! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Candid Candor, where we want to talk about what we, we like to talk, talk about. about. And what are we gonna talk about today? Today we're gonna to talk about microaggressions. Microaggressions. That's such a Janie way word. But I mean, it's an anybody word. It is an anybody word. But we can't wait to get started. Tune in. Let go. Yo, what's up, everybody? And we're back. We are back. We back in this closet. We are back. It's been a long time. We're back in the closet. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about microaggressions. Microaggressions. Before we get started, though, why don't we just tell them what we've been doing? Okay. I just got here out the shower. I unclogged the shower. Yeah. And I did that. Yeah, he did that. And he's being very, very kind because he said hair out the shower like it was both of our hair. It might it have was, been some of it my hair. It was all my hair. You know, I got it some was, of this good hair now. It might it, be some of my it hair. It was enough hair for a large toddler to yeah, have really on their head. <laughs> this is true. You know, I'm not very handy. I'm in And I'm okay with that. But I've been doing some handy things the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. You've been fixing our grill. Well, a, the grill's still not grill. fixed. Uh, but I've I been mean, trying to fix our grill. Yeah. Uh, I did the shower. Yeah. We got uh, a new bed. We got a new bed. I really, I, it came in a box. So I didn't do nothing with that. The bed in the box. <laughs> the, the bed did come in the box. And it, it's really cool. If, you had never, if, it, if anybody's never seen this. They bring these beds in the box, and Asia's in the room, so you're probably going to hear some tapping of feet, but it's okay, because it don't have to be a professional show, you know? But um, if you ever seen the beds that come in the box, you like, they take them out of the box, and you just let them sit there, uh, like, 24 hours, and then you have a full bed. Yeah. It's the most weird thing that yeah. you watch and see, but, you know, yeah. technology. Technology's crazy these days. It really is. So, Jay, why don't you tell me, like, something cool... Or fun. There goes her dog. She I don't think Asia liked what we were talking about because she dipped out the closet. But she, it's all she good. left. She gone. So Jade, tell me something like really something interesting that you've read or that you have. I don't know. Well, you know, just, thought of lately. Just to be completely honest, the the NBA playoffs are on right now, so I haven't um, done much reading. Um, um, the Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals, which is good. Um, and they're Lake, show. Lake Show. Let's go. Team LeBron over here. I am reading this book about living a fit life. And I know you're probably thinking muscles. No, I'm not thinking like muscles. I don't really. I have muscles, but it's not like big muscles. A lot of muscles. A lot of muscles. Anyway, muscles but like, muscles. But <laughs> like, I can't believe I said that. That sounds so. Very three of you. Very three of you. But it's about living a fit life in three phases, right? We got physical life, an emotional life, and a spiritual life, and it's it's really good. Um, I read the chapter about um, living a good spiritual life. Um, no, it was an emotional life. Sorry. And it, it, gave, it after every chapter, it gave me it gives me these four declarations, and they're really good. I actually do them, and I like do the declarations out loud in the bed. But January didn't know that. I like whisper them under my breath. So it's like, I am a leader. <laughs> I am more than a conqueror. So like, it's things that, I love it. It's a good book. It's an easy read. I'm not that great of a reader. January is a fantastic reader. And so a lot of times I find myself trying to keep up with her, but I really can't. So I just read little books. Um, January reads like 50 books a year. It's so. not a little book, though. It's, I mean, it's like it's the words are spaced out. It's, so it's, it's like, it's, it's a lot of pages, but the words are spaced out. So it's a little book. Okay. What have you been reading? Well, I'm reading a few books. I actually just finished The Pursuit of God by A.W. Towser today. Towser! And it, 
Yeah, I'm still kind of reeling from it. It's a phenomenal book. I wrote in it up and down and sideways and upside down. And yeah, I, yeah. it's a great, great book. Um, I, I feel like in some circles, like when you say you're reading like Tozer or C.S. Lewis, it's like... Why do I want to say his name Towser? I think it's I just, Tozer, but I'm sure I wouldn't go correct I'm pretty sure it's it. Tozer, but yeah. like it's as phonetically... Like, it looks like Towser. I feel like when you're, like, in some circles, when you're reading that, it's like listening to Jay-Z. Like, in my, like, in my, in my like, rap world that I love so much. Like, oh, okay. listening to Jay-Z oh, is like... Oh, I'm from South Atlanta. No, 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 no. Listen, I know I'm not saying music. that. I'm just saying, like, listening <laughs> to Jay-Z is like, it, it just feeds you. Like, what he's saying is like, it's really good. He's lyrical. He's great. He's telling stories. I mean, Towser is definitely a theologian, but, like, I just think... And it's like the same to me. It's like if you tell someone in like the theology circle, you I read a told you, but they're like, ooh. In rap circles, like I listen to Jay Z today. You, you hear, ooh, that's good. What, 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 what did he speak to you today? Yeah, so basically, we're starting this <laughs> podcast talking about Jay Z and comparing him to Tozer. So, hey man, to yeah. me, I, I mean, mean, like, that might be frowned upon. Jay Z may okay, be a like, theologian to the streets. Yeah, he but... is, because Hove did that. So, <laughs> so we, we didn't gotta have to go, go through, through that. that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, another book I'm reading right now, I'm actually not finished with it, but there's the just... B-I-B-L-E, okay. that's the book for me. Okay, you know, we always read the Bible, okay? I mean, that's just what Christians do, I guess. Yeah. But another book, this is not a Christian book, it's a secular oh, book. It it's <laughs> written by, um, I believe they, by two authors. I know one is a socialist. Um, What's a socialist? That's, they just study like sociology yeah the other one is too i'm not sure but it's called the coddling of the american mind oh how good how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation of failure okay i'm gonna tell you who it's by i may butcher their names so forgive me whoever it's a tough name greg lukanoff and jonathan hate Hey, yeah, that sounds uh, right to me. That sounds that sounds that feels right, you yeah. know. That book has a long title. Yeah, like, like it does. That title's like point five AR points by itself. Yeah. Oh man, accelerated <laughs> reader. Golly. So what it's pretty much about? It's about the culture of basically Gen Zers and millennials, like the um. It talks about like college campuses and just how students are drastically different over the, especially the last few years and how like students and professors are constantly walking on on eggshells yeah. trying to talk to each other and have like just educational discussions about, you know, whether it's politics or like religion, just lifestyle things. Um, it talks about kind of the rate of depression and anxiety rising and, and how it's happened. Um, and, and it further investigates just social trends with this kind of student across like different campuses. So um, it's really cool. It's super, it's teaching me a lot because Jay and I were around <laughs> our dog is licking everywhere <laughs> jay and i we're constantly around like whether it's high school students college students just just students just in this next generation and what we're seeing is that there's just such a, a rise of political polarization and dysfunction with everyone right now um gosh he's making so much noise but yeah, so yeah, uh, but a portion of this book, it talks about like microaggressions and the triumph of 
impact over intent. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and um, dive into that. For sure. It is. um, And it really does speak to us very much. So because I was a high school teacher for seven years and I coached softball for seven years and I coached basketball for five years, I think. And now we're around college students all the time. Um, My first like serve in our local church was with students. And so, like, I have been around students for a long time, and I've noticed a difference in students, even from when I was a student not too long ago, um, in mindset and a lot of ways they think and the way they perceive things and the way they... So it was, it was interesting that when January told me she was reading this book, I'm not going to lie, I didn't read the book. January read the book. I did read a part of the book that we're going to talk about, but the idea of the Gen Z, um, the mind of the Gen Z student throw in like millennials yeah i think late 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 stage millennials that makes sense um and so i think technically we're late stage millennials yeah we different though oh we we built different we different that's what brian said we built different um (laughs) and so um let's dive in let's talk about some microaggressions yeah so the port so the book it's a lot to unpack i'm not even done unpacking it but just like just a little sliver a little glimpse into (laughs) the book is they talk about microaggressions. So let's go ahead and unpack that just a little bit. So just a regular run-of-the-mill definition of microaggressions. It's a noun, and it's a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as a racial or ethnic minority. Mm. Um so yeah, what are a few examples of microaggressions that you you have experienced? I can think of a few f- for you. Uh, we live in downtown Birmingham, and there's been several instances where, you know, since we live downtown, we're like outside and around taking our dog out several, several times. Um, there have been several instances where there has been like a woman on one side of the street, usually this is oftentimes a white woman or Caucasian woman and they'll see Jay and they'll be like, dang boy, (laughs) they (laughs) They don't don't do do that. that. They don't do that. (laughs) They, they choose the opposite side of the street because they they inadvertently see him as a threat. Um, I think he noted, or I think I notice it a little bit more than he does when things like this happens to him. But um, Jay, why don't you speak to that a little bit? I think another, another one we've experienced, I remember just keeping it in Birmingham when we were moving to Birmingham about a year and a half ago. Um, you came to visit a place that we wanted to live in oh, that yeah. we thought we wanted to live in, um, which I'm glad we don't live there. But um, you said you, you liked the place and you liked the area, but then the lady that gave you the tour said that this was more of an artistic community and you didn't think, they didn't think you would fit in there. Yeah. And yep. I was like... That happened. Yeah, I was like... What does that mean? How do you know she she could be the next? You know, I don't know who's art Vincent Van Gogh. I don't know. You don't know. Like, how does how was she aware of that? Also, what is art? What does artistic really mean? Like, what is what is that? So, like, that was very a thing. Um, A lot of times we get uh, microaggressions. The biggest one that I've ever experienced in my life is when people try to level black people, and what I mean by that is Mm -hmm. just like, oh, you you black, but. You know, yeah, like, you but know. you're like you're like an Oreo. Yeah, you're like yeah. You are articulate. Yeah, you know, you know how to talk. Um, 
that's yeah a, a microaggression and we're going to talk about intent versus impact as well but yeah. we're just giving some of our listeners just some context if they've never just in case they've never experienced it or heard yeah. anyone talk about it frankly i know um being biracial i get this one a lot a lot um what are you yeah. Like, that's a microaggression. <laughs> um, I, the, another one I've gotten a lot just because of sports is people always assume I play basketball or football. football. Or, like, when I tell them to play baseball, they'd be like, oh, outfield. Like, it's yeah. just like, oh. Oh, you, you, look, you must be fast. Yeah. You look like you stole a lot of bases. One of the biggest microaggressions. I just realized this. This is, like, mind-blowing to me. One of the biggest ones is in the game of baseball when oh. I get on first, they pick off at me ten times. Yeah. It's just like... Or in that. baseball, I don't know if we have any baseball followers, but anytime Vinda brother, Vinda brother, <laughs> anytime that there's you know an African American like hitter, I don't know, it's just a thing. Like you bend a brother, all curveballs, yeah, no fastballs. Sinkers. Doesn't matter if you hit a foul, <laughs> you hit a curveball seven hundred feet. The next time a curveball's still coming, and it's fun. Yeah, that's, I mean it's funny, but that's I mean, that's jokingly. But like seriously, like there are in a. For me, I feel like I notice microaggressions, and my problem is when we get into impact versus intent. I always assume the intent was on purpose. <laughs> yeah, and that's and you you can attest to that. Like in even in like our marriage, like we have like microaggressions with each other sometimes. And it's just like I always attend. You did it on purpose, not even mm-hmm. like, or you always and I always think that the way I perceived it was the way you wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. When in reality, that's not necessarily always the case. No, it's not. And that's why we're going to dive into like intent versus impact. Because as of like now, as a a society, everywhere is just super delicate. Just the atmosphere. You can like feel it. We went to Costco today. Ooh, got that hot dog. We got the hot dog. Love that Costco hot dog. But I don't know if any of the listeners can feel it, but there's just like an inadvertent tension in the atmosphere. Like somebody could crack and just explode at any given moment. If you just like look at them wrong, if you, I don't know, make eye contact with them. I mean, I've just been feeling that so many places. Yeah. There's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of just different emotions. I mean, it's an election year. We can talk about that forever. Like there's, like we talked about in the last podcast, there's division. Um, the the world is not the. I wouldn't say the world. I would say like the media and you know the certain people are fighting for division and that. I mean that just that pressure puts on people. And you know what happens when you over pressure over pressurize things like they burst right. So like I think there is a kind of like. I don't know the word to describe it, but like it just feels like people on edge all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so I I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. And so in the book, it talks about um, like a, an article that was released in 2007 by um, a professor at Columbia University. And he describes it or defines microaggressions as brief, commonplace, daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental indignities, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative racial slights and insults towards people of color. And I don't even think, like, microaggressions need to be directly... I think it it happens a lot when it comes to race, but it's also, like, a gender thing. Like, uh, it can be anything. Um, I do believe that it happens more often when it comes to just, like, 
race to race conversations. And in reality, I mean, and like we always say, some of it's just ignorance. Like people just don't know. Like a lot of times it's like when you, you won't understand this, but I'm gonna understand this. Like it's like when you the first time you try to talk to you wanna ask a girl out, like you just say things. You don't really know what you're saying. You just hope it works. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, I hope it sticks. Hope it sticks. <laughs> like you like you like to walk on the beach? We live in Atlanta. There are no beaches. Like it don't matter. So like um yeah, I think there is it doesn't need to be specific specific to race, but we're going to talk about it in relation to race because that's what our podcast is about. <laughs> yeah. In the book, it says, if the aggressive act is minor or subtle, then the term microaggression seems well-suited for the situation. Yeah. But aggression is not unintentional or accidental. If you bump into someone by accident and never meant them any harm, it's not an act of aggression, although the other person may misperceive it as one. Yeah. And this is kind of where we kind of dive into the in- intent versus impact side yeah. side of this this whole thing. Yeah, I feel like that the best example for me for that when someone honks the horn at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I automatically it don't matter if they honking at someone three miles down the street. I auto- always think it's me, and I automatically think they're jerks. Like I don't know what's going on in their life or in their car, but in reality, the intent. Um, matters when it comes to microaggressions more than anything because like you just don't know what they're trying to do yeah but with this age and this generation and and whenever i speak about generation i'm talking you know kind of everybody that's living right now mostly gen z and mostly like millennials but really everyone really i think this um this vibes with um but yeah but mostly what we're seeing especially now with a just a high-end society we're we're seeing that people they they kind of just take the weight of the impact a little bit more versus the intent. So say if you are in a grocery store and you know you see a really cool sale sign, you have your buggy and you accidentally bump somebody with their buggy. Right now we're more up to see people become upset, like visibly upset because you bumped their buggy regardless whether you intended to do it yeah. or not. If that makes sense. And I feel like that happens a lot in conversation. And I can speak for myself there a whole lot because um, especially when we're talking about race and um, social injustice and, you know, having those diverse conversations, I feel like a lot of times when people want to have those conversations they may mess up and say something they're not supposed to say and if you if you're not if you don't have the right mindset um the impact of what they say will overhaul what the intent of the conversation is yes. you know what I mean and yes. so a lot of times like if someone asks and we and we say on this podcast all the time like you got to be okay with people asking dumb questions if we want to grow but sometimes when people ask dumb questions about race they're like that can come off very offensive to um, black people or, you know, women or any minority um, demographic, um, a lot of times it's hard to initially get past what they said to get to the intent of the actual conversation you're having because there's a bigger goal. Yeah. Um, and I think also that happens very often when it comes to just things in, like, in life that happen. Like you said, at the store, a lot of times people just... We only... It's easier to react to the what happened, and and it's harder to dig deep and figure out 
what actually was supposed to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In any kind of like conversation or interaction, we have the choice to interpret something how we want to interpret. So yeah. our so if we, you know, are in the grocery store and you know, someone accidentally hits us with their buggy. In that moment, we have a choice whether to get automatically get defensive and assume that they intended to hit us with their grocery with their buggy, or we have the choice to believe the best about somebody, not yeah. the worst, and know like it was it was just an an accident, you know. Yeah, I think uh, a friend of ours. Should I say her name? I don't think I'm gonna say her name. Yeah. I mean, last podcast we named. Well, her, her name's Grace, a whole and lot. so she. Uh, <laughs> She taught me something one time. She didn't even know she was teaching me. She was talking in one of our small groups, and she just said, like, um, you know, we can't be upset because we put people on a pedestal. Man, she said something when she said yeah, that. Yeah, and I was Yo. like, we don't have a problem with, as as people, we don't have a problem with getting over things. We have a problem we have a we have a problem with how we set people up on the pedestal. So we put people up to think that they should act or do things one way. In reality, when they let us down, it's not their fault. It's our fault for the way that we we set we put them up on the pedestal in our own mind. We we set our expectations for them that they didn't even know we had. So like in the grocery store, if someone bumps in the cart from you, they had they probably we set them up to say like they knew better. Uh, they shouldn't have done that. But in reality, they just didn't see you there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times, there's just... Um, and I think a lot of times with microaggressions... Um, now, don't get me wrong. Some of some people's microaggressions are intentionally done. Oh, absolutely. Just eat. think about, like, negative, any kind of negative stereotype. Yeah. And they base their... I guess their previous interactions or whatever, and they base that those negative stereotypes and they put those into actions that can create a micro microaggression in itself. And like, of course, like, of course that's wrong. But also, I personally I believe that's also an invitation to invite them into a much larger and deeper conversation about like why it's hurtful to ask somebody who looks racially ambiguous what are they? Yeah. Or why is actually I kind of like when people ask me my fast, but because like, I am fast, but like I'm just saying like there I think it's very wise of you to say that it's a those microaggressions that may come your way are you you can see them as um, a problem and negatively and you can leave the conversation and think negatively or have ill will for the person that that did it or you can take it as an opportunity to have the conversation and grow from and a lot of times guys I'm just this is my thing for the year a lot of times people are just not as smart as you think they are like and and I'm not saying that to be disrespectful to anybody but I'm saying like a lot of times people just don't know what they don't know mm-hmm. um until someone tells them you got to think a lot of people live in echo chambers they live around people that are that think act smell do everything just mm-hmm. like them so a lot of times if someone doesn't tell them they have no they idea don't know. yeah no, absolutely. I mean, we see that, and this is a much larger conversation for a different day. We watched uh, a documentary called Social Dilemma. Ooh, it was changed great. my world. It was great. Um, Put the phone down. And I've also listened to like a TED talk with a lady that talked about like Facebook and how these social media entities they make their money in by. I guess forcing like those same conversations, those same topics to you. So it perpetuates itself. So if 
you have a person and they're constantly getting, I guess, quote unquote, like fake news articles or clickbait, things like that. Um, and they're that's how they get their source of news through media outlets, then it's going to perpetuate itself. These social media entities, they're going to continue to, um, they have algorithms, they have systems that perpetuates it to those same exact people. Yeah. So it's a constant cycle. And if they continue to be around and have conversations with those same people with the same like minds, then um, it becomes grossly out of hand. Yeah, I think there is, because I think practically to walk away from the conversation, it's like people may ask, like, how do I stir away from, you know, being, can I say being microaggressive? Is that a thing? (laughs) I guess. I mean, it can be a thing today. Yeah, Yeah. I think, well, I think it's it's two kind of two parts to that. Like one, I think from the end of the the end of the minority group that usually gets a lot of microaggressions on our end I think we need to think about intent when we do impact as far as like things may be said things may be done but the fact that you're having the conversation I mean the intent is probably not what you think it is yeah Um, I Mm -hmm. think there has to be a grace and a um, a thought of progression that say hey this may come off this way and this may that you shouldn't say this because this is what this could be perceived as. I don't think you meant it that way. So, so, so just don't say it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But I also think from the other side, you need to think before you, when you have conversations with people that are different than you, you need to think through why am I saying something I wouldn't say to anybody else? Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if I saw, if I saw a random person, like if I'm, if I'm meeting my, one of my best friend's name is Todd. Todd plays basketball. If I don't look at Todd and say, hey, Todd, you look fast. Because I don't do that because I, I, I naturally, like, that's our conversations. If I was white and I had another white friend, I wouldn't just be like, hey, you know, you, you play baseball? You, you, you probably still a lot of bases on. Like, I wouldn't do that. And so, like, I think a lot of times what happens is you get in these conversations. And, and I can say this, too from my side you kind of panic and you go to like something you think would make sense yeah you go to something that feels comfortable yeah in your own reality though that's the thing (laughs) you only know what you know you don't know anyone else's reality i think it's easy because i mean hollywood has taught us this the tv like the movie industry and the tv industry has taught us this that you know every demographic of people has their thing and if you go to that thing you feel comfortable with that Mm -hmm. so like i don't go up to asians and talk about math because like there's how do i know the asian i I tutored the asian ones they they weren't that good at math like it's just like you know what i mean like i think if i wouldn't go up to you know i wouldn't go up to a cambodian woman and ask her about rice like i just wouldn't do that because it's just like all those things are what we have taught the stereotypes what we've been taught about taught through media and through video and through all those things um that's our comfort place to do that so when you're having these conversations don't go there (laughs) it's it's easy like don't don't go there because the intent your intent may be just to start a conversation but the the person that's receiving that they don't know your intent they just think they just think like like you've been a jerk essentially yeah (laughs) they think impact wise and the book talks about um have like a charitable interpretation and so all that means and what it's talking about is 
a charitable interpretation does not mean that the recipient of the comment must do nothing rather opens up a range of constructive responses so if you are in like one of those conversations and someone does say something sideways think of it as an invita- invitation to a much larger constructive conversation it also says a charitable approach might be to say i'm guessing you didn't mean any harm when you said that but you should know that some people might interpret that to mean this this and this i mean like We all could be a little bit more thoughtful about our speech and our interactions, but it is also unjust to treat people as if they're bigots when they don't harbor that ill will too, if that makes sense. So now we're flipping on kind of the other side of the coin of if you were the kind of the recipient of that kind of speech and not automatically going to to being defensive And that's not to negate like your emotions and your experiences because it could very well like just bring up some triggers or just some really, really harmful interactions that have happened to you in the past. But um, it's just an invitation. Yeah, I think the the great Amber in Hamilton said, I'm the one thing in life I can't control. And so I think. (laughs) Wait for it. Wait wait for it. It's a great song. But seriously, like that line speaks to me because like in reality, you can't control what people say, do, or, you know, the intent or the, um, what's the other word? Intent? Impact. Or the impact <laughs> they are trying to portray. But in reality, you can control how you take those moments to teach people and the way you do it. You can do it with grace. Some people do it with anger, and that's that's probably not the best way to do it. But in reality, um, in order for us to grow, as we always talk about, y'all probably tired of hearing this on our podcast. The only way we're going to grow is if some if people are willing to meet in the middle and um, have those conversations. And when you have microaggressions, they may seem like very simple things to let pass through, but in reality, it is a it is a invitation for you to educate and to help the person um, grow when they make those uh, conversations. Yeah. In, in in those conversations, if you find yourself do accidentally saying something to like a member of, of a group that finds it offensive, but you don't harbor any like dislike or ill will, then, you know, you're not a bigot. You just clumsily said something, whether you were nervous or what, and it was, could be insensitive. Just apologize. Just apologize and, you know, fess up to just not really knowing. And so that in itself can be a moment that bonds you to that person yeah. like even deeper, whether yeah. you agree on something or not. Yeah. I like to think, I mean, we got to wrap this up, but I really like to think that um, one thing I've been working on this week, actually, I didn't talk to January about this is one, what I said earlier about um, I have a, I can't be whole, I can't harbor feelings for people because my expectation of them were too high. Thank you, Grace, for that one. But two, um, that people are good to the core. I feel like most people in the world are, they want to be good. Their intent is to be good. Now, their actions and their the way they go about trying to be good may not come off as good. But I think most people's intent is good. And when you go in conversations that way, and when you go at... When you look at scenarios that way, that most people have the intent of being good, it's a lot easier to have grace for people and help them throughout their growth process. Yeah. And it just comes down to just being thoughtful yeah. in all your interactions and seeing the other person as like as a as a person, a whole person that still needs to be loved and 
still you can find common ground with it. I firmly believe if both of you, both the people are breathing, you can find something in common That's with good. them. That's really like good. Like if you are breathing, you can you can attempt to it's find some your kind breath. of. Sorry, go ahead. Never mind. <laughs> it was doing, you were doing so good. Yeah, it was, but then you just. I thought you were done. No, I, I was talking. Okay, go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. No, I lost it now. No, you didn't. You yes, said common did. ground, breathing. You can just find common ground with other people if if they're also breathing. If you just try. Never give up and try, try. Mm-hmm. She don't want to sing with me. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. We could talk about this one for a long time. Yeah, we could have I think, an hour. Yeah, I think this is a great conversation. And remember, just to loop back around to why we even began this podcast. I mean, we didn't begin it to talk about our beliefs or talk about, you know, or force anything upon you. We just want you to simply talk about it with you and your people. Yes. Yeah, so take some time. Um, get your friends, you know, think about the conversations you have when it comes to people. And this, and, and, and that, it doesn't necessarily, like I said earlier, have to be race to race when you're talking about microaggressions. We have microaggressions with each other all the time. Um, but I think that's a great teachable moment for all of us to be able to have conversations about those microaggressions and grow together. So, yeah. And really think about how it feels. Are you, are, are you assessing someone's intentions or are you assessing it through the lens of what you're feeling, which is the impact of something? That's good. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today on Candid Candor. We hope you had a great time. Like, subscribe. Comment. Comment. Uh, what does re- Blake retweet, always say? Uh, uh, what's the word he says? I don't know. Like, subscribe, tweet. I don't know what he says. Know. Hey. Just share this with your friends. That's right. You know. Spray it. He says spray, spray it. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds right. so weird. Let's, well, well, well like, we won't see y'all, but okay. we'll, we'll, we'll catch you next yeah, time. Yeah, bye. Bye, y'all. <laughs>